epic ride. The Sun by Blame is strong off the turn in the Leonidas. And he arrives at the eighth pole with the lead. Epic ride. And Adam Biskitza win the Leonidas Stakes front and center. Hello, everybody. I'm Tony Kalo. And there they go with the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. The Auxiliary Gate. Episode number 171, the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. We're recording this on February 6, 2024. And I'm joined by Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers and Jeff Riggs. Guys, welcome in. We'll just uh, just say your hellos in that order. Okay. I think I was first alphabetically. Hello. 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 Wow. Hello. It's like the three stooges. Hello. <laughs> hello. Hello. All right, guys. Uh, first, we want to give a shout out to the people in Bell County, Kentucky. We're now ranked 12th in terms of agricultural sports related podcasts. So, uh, yeah, big thank you to the people in Middlesbrough, Kentucky for that. Uh, also, I got a, a, a letter from our board of directors at the Auxiliary Gate headquarters in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> And they, they're really on my case to, uh, to talk about, uh, or, or during the show, we at least need to, uh, remind people to like, follow, subscribe. Like the kiddos say, pound, don't pound, don't pound the like button because you'll hurt your phone, but just touch it, touch the like, just tickle it, tickle that like button, leave a comment. You know, if, if you like Jeff's beard, if you think Brandon's handsome, which none of us, the rest of us believe, no. If you think Alan made a point finally this week, <laughs> just just say so. Just say so and say something nice because we want on other- the Apple. Yeah, on the Apple on the Apple site, right? And there's, what are we on Apple Podcasts, Spotify? Where are we on? I'm not even sure. We're on, we're on Apple, Spotify, Google. I don't think it's going to be around much longer. But then iHeartRadio. I think we're on Amazon. Uh, there's a few others. I, I don't know. I, I, I had no idea. I know we do pretty well, but I had no idea we were on those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's real easy once you figure it out. I've forgotten how though, but uh, anyway, wow. yeah, that's so. I had to get that off the off the plate because the, the the chairman of the board was unhappy with yes. it. Yes, with the okay. first 170 episodes that we did. <laughs> okay, so uh, all right. Well, bad news to report. I don't think everybody knows this already, but uh, in case you didn't, Toby Keith passed away. Of course, uh, obviously famous for uh, being a singer, songwriter, performer. But uh, maybe what some people didn't know, he was really involved in horse racing. And he's he won a lot of races. And really popular uh, around Remington Park and really the the, the, the Midwest. Uh, I know he had horses stable at Oakland. I think he had one race a couple of days ago. And, uh, yeah, really, really sad news that uh, Toby Keith no longer with us. Exactly. You know, I also, if I'm not mistaken, he played football in Oklahoma. I think he was a defensive lineman. I'm, I'm not sure about that. But uh, I have my eras of music that I love. I, mean, I love 80s music. I love 70s music. One, uh, I love 70s country. One era 
I really liked as well as '90s country, and Toby Keith was one of the uh, uh, the pillars of '90s country. And uh, I've been listening to stuff all day. Uh, he owned Dreamwalking Farms, ton of, ton of horses. Uh, yep. I'm trying to think of my favorite Toby Keith song was, but it might be My List or uh, I Love hey, This Bar, yeah. American Soldier. I could go on and on and on, but uh, yeah, I, 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 as I'm getting older, when, when people who've contributed to my life from an artistic standpoint, you know that made my life but i always like to point it out and toby keith certainly did that so uh, rest may he rest in peace it's a very sad day jeff yeah. you got a favorite song total gentleman wait i mean he he was soul it was good country yeah horses so he's right for the podcast for sure exactly favorite exactly. song jeff red red solo cups my favorite just because it puts me in a great mood it's just like a three drunk guys, a bunch of drunk guys. They intentionally sang that if they were a bunch of drink, drunk guys. That's what makes it give us so much charm or whatever and stuff. Right, yeah, you always, you always hear it as drunk guys, so yeah. it makes sense. CC, do you have a favorite song? I'll Never Smoke Weed with Willie Again. <laughs> and what about a favorite <laughs> song from a Toby Keith? But no, well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's so, yeah. How do, you, was it, how do You Like Me Now? I like that song. Yeah, that's good, that's good. The only Toby Keith story I have is the time he went to Ellis Park and they wouldn't let him in the turf club because he was he was wearing jeans. He wasn't wearing a uh, uh, a collared shirt and uh, and uh, what do you call it? Coll- and uh, yeah, khaki pants, slacks, yeah. slacks. Yeah, he was wearing <laughs> yeah. he was wearing blue jeans. They wouldn't let him in. It's like okay, you know, you know how high dollar and elitist they are at Ellis Park. I guess I can understand that, right? Correct. Like that, that's what that they, story. They, I cannot believe that that story slipped out. I, I, I'd have been, I've been embarrassed to, uh, to be the one that denied him entrance. But uh, it's not just the fact that it was Toby Keith. It's the fact that you're saying I can't get into. I'm underdressed for Ellis Park, <laughs> and and I love Ellis Park, but that is kind of a quite an ironic story. Yeah, he owned a Smack Smack. Who won the uh, the Cornhusker handicap? Uh, when was this? Several years ago. Well, it's not that long ago. I'm looking at it right now. I can't find it, but it's, uh, he ran a lot of Prairie Meadows. Here it is, uh, 2016, won the 2016 Cornhusker handicap with Smack Smack. Okay, that's cool. Anyway, he won the, he won the Arlington won. Futurity too, right? With, the, yeah, uh, no, with Cactus Ridge. Cactus Ridge, that's right. Many years ago, yeah, yeah. So he's been, he's been in the industry for a long, long, long time. So, and we'll miss Toby for sure. So, Let's uh let's switch gears and talk about Kentucky Derby preparations over the weekend. We've, there were four major ones. Bob Lewis at Santa Anita was won by Nisos, ran a 105 buyer. Mystic Dan won the Southwest on a sloppy track at Oakland. He recorded a 101 buyer. Hades won the Holy Bull, beating Fierceness, the reigning two-year-old champion, and. Uh, he ran a 90 that was upgraded from an 85. And then Uncle Heavy won the Withers at Aqueduct, and I didn't get a buyer. I think it was like 84 or something like that. So we'll we'll throw it around the table. Guys, who were you impressed by the most, and who were you not impressed by, and any other thoughts on those four derby prep races? Go ahead, Jeff. I'm going to say I was most impressed by Mystic Dan in Southwest. Um, a lot of people maybe would think that it wasn't as impressive on first look just because, you know, he came up the rail, kind of shortest way around, sloppy track. You never really know 
how it goes there. But just the amount of fight that he showed in the ride from Brian in that race, I just thought were pretty incredible. And when you're looking at a race like the Derby, stuff's going to go wrong. And you have to be able to show some heart. You have to be able to fight through adversity. You have to be able to slip through those small cracks. And there are a ton of big-time derby contenders that just don't necessarily – they're not proven there. We know we know Mystic Dan can do it. So I, I was very impressed by that, and I'm very looking forward to seeing where he's going to go. As far as least impressed, I mean, I thought all of them were pretty reasonably impressive, but I, I guess I'd probably have to go with Hades just because I thought, you know, fierceness didn't really show up. I know, I know he was, you know, got sandwiched out of the gate and had excuses and all that, but, um, I mean, Hades was good, but not, you know, just, I don't know that he really struck me as one of those that's going to be a top Kentucky Derby contender. I will say one of the best videos from the weekend, though, was of his exercise rider seeing Hades cross the wire first. I mean, that was just like some pure emotion of a guy that you can tell put poured his heart and soul into that horse and just loved that horse more than anything in the world. So that was the good, the feel good story of the weekend for me. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and go real quick. I thought, you know, I'm with you. Hades, eh, whatever. It's kind of ironic because I thought, uh, fierceness ran like hell. Uh, this whole notion that he had some sort of terrible trip, I don't know where that came from. Did he get sandwiched a hair? But one to five, you're supposed to, and, and you, once that was over, you got in an ideal position off a pretty slow pace and was just empty to drive. I don't know how anybody bets a horse one to five off the layoff like that. And history's proven the otherwise, but I mean, that said, whether, regardless of what his odds were, uh, he just, it just is a prototypical empty in the drive. And like you, like you alluded to, it's like, I don't think it's that great a field to begin with. Congratulations to Hades, but I mean, he, would he go 50, 115? And, you know, the horses behind him were coming out of that, uh, that stakes racer. I, I don't want anything on that race personally. I hate to say it, nice those look great. I mean, I, I don't really pay attention to California racing and he got a perfect trip and he was one to nine. So that really doesn't interest me at all. Uh, I don't get in a whole Baffert should come Baffert shouldn't go. So I really don't care, but I did, I did when Nysel kicked it into gear. I mean, my God, he did take off. I will say that that horse is impressive. Now who's to say that he doesn't get injured or goes by the wayside or blah, blah, blah. But uh, he, he did look really good. And of course I'm going to pull for Mystic Dan because I love Brian Hernandez. He's one of our, I think our first guest on this pod, super nice guy. And, uh, so sentimentally, I'm I'm pulling for Mystic Dan at the moment. I feel like it's totally wide open again. But you know, outside the Baffert horses who aren't going to be entering the Derby, you know, I was disappointed in the Southwest. I thought Carbone looked great, and then when the horse turned from home, it was just dead empty and going backwards. And I was just shocked because of the jockey just looked so confident. But maybe that's part of the off track. Maybe that's what you know wore him down. But uh, hats off to old McSneak for delivering. I think he won a lot that day on the card. And, um, I don't know. I, I'm still, I haven't made up my mind. I've got some future bets still, but I don't know. I think about canceling them. I don't even know if the horses are still running on my futures. I don't know if you can cancel them. Uh, yeah. That, that, that ship sailed. Yeah. That's not the way that works. <laughs> Get them back on Twin Spires. You just go to delete. Try that. See what happens. Yeah. Let us look back to let me know how that goes. <laughs> got it. All right. So we've got uh, just, I think, one derby prep on tap this weekend. That's the Sam F. Davis at Tampa Bay Downs. And uh, I'm reading this article. It's from Horse Racing Nation. It looks like West Saratoga is going to try the Sam F. Davis. So West for Larry Demerit, a longtime mm-hmm. trainer here in Kentucky. And we wish him well. 
looking at this article here, it looks like Doncho from Michelle Lovell's barn worked four furlongs in 48 and two at fairgrounds. And that was on Tuesday morning. That's this morning. Third fastest out of 45. Uh, any idea where Doncho is going to show up next? Uh, well, why don't we find her? I don't, I have not thought to ask her. Have you thought to ask her? I, I don't. Uh, I hate to interfere in her business, but she'll then, tell you. I mean, I could, I could recommend something, maybe. Maybe we'll just well, go. Straight, we'll go straight into the bluegrass. Oh yeah, that would be bold. Off a, off a six furlong maiden win. Well, we still want to be friends with her. We don't want to. We don't want to burn those bridges, right? So maybe right. we don't suggest that. If not, maybe she'd just tell me mind my own business. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't sound like her, but yeah. All right. I okay. think she just laugh at you. <laughs> Well, most people do that anyway. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get our special guest, uh, uh, special assist to Trey Server. If you're listening, Trey, appreciate the uh, the handout. I owe Trey one. I think I talked her, talked him out of warm heart at Gulfstream uh, a couple weeks ago. I, I I didn't say not user, but I kind of cold watered her because of all hey. the shit. And uh, yeah, that came back and bite, bit me in the ass because of a great ride by Ryan Moore. But uh, uh, thanks for the uh, for the assist here, and without further ado, we're going to throw it over to Alan to meet our special guest. Yes, sir. So um, before this current Turfway winter spring meet began, I'm sure most people just assumed the dominant force in the trainer ranks would be, say, Wesley Ward, uh, Mike Maker, Brad Cox. Uh, but as we played out through the first two, two and a half months of the meet, in actuality, so far, the undeniable story that meets us is thus far is our guest this evening, and that's trainer John Ennis. Uh, all the way from Ireland to Lexington and in the front seat of a Toyota Highlander at the moment. John Ennis, thank you for joining us this evening. Thanks for having me, lads. Thank you. I always love being called lads when I'm 53 years old. That makes me feel so young. <laughs> but uh, thank you, John. Speaking of Ireland, uh, we've had a lot of Irish uh, folks on this podcast. We love having them. It seems like there's an Irish pipeline uh, between Ireland and Kentucky, you're no exception. Uh, before we get started on all these great horses you got, tell us a little bit how you how you got over here from Ireland, Kentucky. What brought you to the bluegrass? Um, well, I just I, I I left school at an early age of 15. Um, uh, went to try to be a jockey, wasn't very successful. Uh, went to the racing school in Ireland and uh, was small and light and whatnot, and uh, tried my hand at riding in races and. Wasn't good enough and uh, probably wasn't brave enough. So uh, <laughs> I did, done, done that for many years and uh, and uh, kind of everything dried up at home as regards my career, basically, as trying to be a jockey. And uh, I just came over here galloping horses uh, maybe 12 or 15 years, maybe 13, 14 years ago. And, uh, and I kind of just all kind of spiraled from there a little bit, I suppose, you know, lots of hard work and... And uh, a lot of luck along the way, and, and uh, I'm, I'm training a string of horses now, which is fantastic. It really is. Like I said, we're going to touch on these numbers here in a second. But, you know, you were wanted to be a jockey. That didn't work out. You come over here, you become a trainer. Did you learn? Who did you learn under to to uh, before you was able to get on your own? Uh, well, I didn't really learn anything over here uh, as such. Uh, I kind of learned all my grounding at home in Ireland, uh, Everton. You learn everything there from how to clean a stall to how to do legs up and all that. Uh, over here, I was just galloping and uh, I basically just came over here <coughs> trying to 
and I didn't know what I was going to do really, but I came over here because the money was so good and I was as an exercise rider and I was just just concentrating on riding out as many horses a day as I could and trying to make as much money as I could and and I take it, took it from there, you know. Yep, and uh, you're taking it pretty successful. It's been like a very, it feels like it's been a pretty steady climb with you, right, for the last several years. John Nance comes on a scene a few years ago. It's almost like this natural uphill progression, and now it's almost like you've, you've hit the next level, and it could just be the way things are going right now. But uh, to point that out, uh, I've looked up the stats for Turf. I knew they were pretty good, and uh, yeah, actually they're kind of white hot. 49 starters so far in the meet, 14 wins. Now, that doesn't count the fact that two of those are stakes wins. We're going to talk about that. But uh, looking at these numbers, and it seems like everything, not only win, but they win so professionally. They they look so good when they're doing it. Uh, you might be a bigger fan of Turfway Park than me, then that's saying something, my man. Yeah, well, uh, Turfway, no, it's, look, it's great. It's an hour down the road from Lexington. Um, the horses are running good there. I think the horses coming off the dirt or training on the dirt to, to Peter to come out of the race is so good and uh they've just been they've just been bouncing and firing all all meat so far from the beginning of December all the way through to now and uh long it may last, you know. So uh, why do you why do you think that is? I mean you you probably know, I guess our guess might be that you just you you were pointing to the meat or is it a possibility where you just had conditions left, the right conditions and you took advantage of them or is it a mix of both or or is it just pure skill on your part? <laughs> no skill. I don't think there's any skill involved. Um, I think it was just uh, horse had conditions. They've been running well in Churchill and Keeneland, and uh, they came to the meet with a lot of conditions. And uh, they all seemed to handle the Peter, which is a big thing. Um, so yeah, I just I think just putting them in the right spots as well with conditions helps and uh, keep the horses happy and healthy, and that they seem to be running like they are, so this it's just, yeah. Well, you know, maybe it is a deal where you had conditions, right? But I'm thinking you may have been pointed to meet with one horse in particular, right? You were sitting on one good youngster, and that, that's a horse called Epic Ride that I have just been uh, uh, taken aback by this first three starts. And before we get into him, did you know he was good? Did you know from the get-go he was good? Is that one you were sitting on? He, Yeah, he's lucky. He always showed that he was uh uh, pretty nice. Uh, you know, he's still immature, and I don't think we've uh, got to the top of him yet, or I would say the bottom of him yet. But he's uh, his works were really good. His mannerism was very professional, uh, and he just does everything like a good horse. Uh, but I've had plenty of those in the past, and you go in the afternoons or the nighttime as we're racing now, and they just don't transpire or evolve the way you hoped, and. Uh, but this guy has, and he's uh, he's done everything right. And uh, no, we're we're he's definitely going the right direction, and we're starting to get a little excited about him. Now, the first uh, his first time out, did you think he was going to win first time out? Because he had a rough trip. I think he was down on the inside. You could tell the horse had talent as the race finished. Did you think he was going to win first time out? I hope he could win first time out. Um, he was shown in the mornings that he would. Uh, the draw came out, and we got to one hole and. That didn't excite me too much. And then, um, look, he ran second. He ran an incredible race. Uh, I was delighted with it. And probably the best thing that ever happened to him was mm-hmm. to get to run another maiden, just to give him that experience, you know. I'm glad you said that because when he caught my eye, I know he's being hyped a lot in his second start. When he caught my eye, I was in that second start. There was another horse, a Paul Lobo horse on the outside, a very good horse. 
who had a lot of speed. And what impressed me that day is it's like Ennis and Bashitza know they got a good one here because you sent that horse to the lead. You, it's like we're not playing around. We're shooting straight to the front. It's like, go, we know we got the best horse. Am I close to that? It, it sure felt like that when you when I saw the, the break of the race. Yeah, we, I, look, we played to our our second start. We played to our experience, and uh, Paula's Paula's horse, Bow Street, is a very talented horse as well, and he liked that horse going into that night. And where we said, look, we were drawing. He was drawn wide, and we were drawn lower. I think we were drawing. I, I can't remember what we were drawing lower than Paula, and we just said, let's let's go forward, and if he's going faster than us uh, early, then that's fine. We we can sit in, but. We were comfortable throughout, and uh, he was he yeah he showed he showed a lot of class that second start and the way he picked up down the lane um so that, that was that was great because they went they went they went a quick time that night and he won impressively yeah it was a good field and then of course we go to Leonidas Stakes uh, this past weekend at Turf Way and again he's up against a stakes winning horse by Bill Morey and that and you went to the front and your horse and the Morey horse. Tried to go with you, kind of a little surprisingly, and it, it was almost like Epic Ride just flicked him off like a like a like a lint off his collar. I mean, he put him away professionally, and one off professionally, going two turns past that two turn test, that had to thrill you. Did it did um, two turns was you know the issue his third start. Sometimes he can get beat going two turns first time, um, especially in the stake, uh, but. We said we keep it simple. He's a speed horse in the race, and we will go to the lead wherever you're comfortable. And uh, he picked up and picked up all the way down through the lane, through the wire, and two turns didn't seem to be a problem. Galloping out when the horses came to join him, Adam said the horse wanted to go again. So I don't think further will be a problem either. Like the mile and sixteenth or the mile and eight, I don't think it'll be any issue with the horse really. Well, you know where you know where I'm going with this, right? We're going to take this in, in, in steps and tears right here. First step is the Jeff Ruby stakes is, you know, down the road, right? And is is that the immediate goal or with the Bataglia or, or is that is that your hope that he can that he can do that? Yeah, obviously you'd be thinking in terms of that now after when the Leonidas uh seen a stat on Twin Spires today or something that the last two winners of the Leontis uh both have ran in the Derby. Uh, yes. We'll get to that. Rich Rich Strike and uh what was the other one? Two fills, uh, didn't, didn't, not two fills. Two fills. No, I can't remember what the other one was. Uh, but the bottom ran the ran it, and like uh, Rich Strike, he didn't even win the Leontes. So he he, he went, I think he ran fourth or third in there in that race, or fourth, I think he was. But um, yeah, look, that's going to be the obvious plan now. Uh, we'll probably keep him here in Kentucky, and uh, he's. I led him off the track this morning. He was bouncing, and he's he's back fresh. And uh, so look, if he's in good form and he's, we're happy with him. I'd say we'll go to the Bataglia on the 2nd of March. That was my next question. Is, is it the yeah. stepping stone? Is it Leonidas, Bataglia, Jeff Ruby, if everything goes well? Yeah. You know, we'll take one race at a time, but if we can get him to the Bataglia in good shape, uh, that'll be the plan. Uh, I won't be overly hard on him during the mornings because I think he's still a, he's still an immature horse. Physically, to look at, he's still immature. He hasn't... He has, he's not hard yet. He's not... He's just not the finished article, so I won't kill him in the mornings as regards hard works and five eights, and he'll just do everything maintenance works between now and the Bataglia. And if he goes into that where I'm happy and he looks as good as he did going into this last past stake, he'll probably run in, in the Bataglia. And then after that, 
we'll see how we get on if he can compete with them horses and uh, uh, we don't know whether we'll you know keep him on the on the tapita or maybe give him one run in the dirt before if, if he's yeah. good enough to go down that road you know yeah, you know what my next question is going to be, right? It's it's any trainer who's got a horse of this caliber this early, um, because after the Jet Ruby, there's another little race up down down the road for me here in Louisville. You know, on the first Saturday in May, mm-hmm. being by Blaine, you would think he can handle dirt. I know there's turf on the bottom, turf on the top, turf on the bottom. Uh, what? How confident are you that he could theoretically handle dirt if needed? Be if, you know, of course we don't get ahead of ourselves, but do we think he can handle dirt? I. Don't think there's an issue, to be honest with you. Uh, I train a very heavy dirt track here at the train centre. It's deceiving, as in <laughs> you can go a half mile really good and then try and go five eighths, and it's a different story. It's a heavy dirt. Um, he has no problem on it. He has an action. He moves like a horse would handle dirt. So, yeah, I can't see why he wouldn't handle the dirt. So, an hour. He's taken all the boxes so far. Yes, he has, and that's, you know, he's about Blaine. His daddy is Blaine. Blaine won a pretty good mile-and-a-quarter race out here at, at Churchill Downs about uh, 10, 13 years ago, something like that, when he beat Zenyatta in the Breeders' Cup Classic. So you always got that in the back of your mind, too. It's like, well, his daddy won a mile-and-a-quarter on the dirt at Churchill. But, again, that's a little far off. We, I know that, but it never hurts to dream, does it? Uh, that's that's what we get up in the morning. We dream, and I'm dreaming myself. But it might never happen, but uh, every day we get closer to and uh, get another cross another stepping stone the dream gets a little bit bigger so at the moment i'm just as you say living the dream and i'm excited Amen. enjoy it enjoy it but you this also you're not enjoying uh just epic ride you've had a ton of winners so far but uh the one i have to mention as well is icicles and uh icicles won the likely exchange stakes again um uh, that she's a four-year-old is that right or a three-year-old yeah four-year-old four-year-old, four-year-old, four-year-old and you know I know the horse well because that used to be kind of a so-so auction-restricted maiden for the McPeak barn, and it's kind of and kind of a horse. But it seems like uh, in your care since you've taken over, the horse has blossomed. And again, that was a pretty pretty big-time stakes when she got the other day. What was what's the key to unlocking that potential that you that you managed to come up with? I think it was just her. Uh, she just matured into a filly. She was a she's a big filly. She's very rangy, um, and I think she's just after uh, taking that time to develop. Um, and she's she's blossomed as you said, and uh, uh, that 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 stakes win was nice. She she always trains really good, and she's you know she's just she just trains like a good horse. And uh, I was probably a little bit bold in in, in entering her in that race when I could have went for the one x allowance. But uh, the whole thing with Ixiana Farms is try and get them some black type and stakes wins, and you know their breeding program is fantastic there. So. Uh, I, I, you know, Fortune Venture, the, the Brave, and I rolled the dice, and she, she looked good doing it. Yeah, she did. I was impressed. I've been impressed the way she has improved, and I thought she she hit a pinnacle there in that race. So there's got to be more. Again, she's only four, so there's got to be more wins in her future, I would hope for you. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, she's very little miles in the clock. Uh, there's a race there, uh, the Winter Green, I think it is. Yes. The 24th, uh, so she'll have a nomination for that and all being well that's where she'll go next and then um, hopefully down the road if she, if she keeps going the right direction we you, you'd hope that you could get her into a graded stake somewhere hopefully placed or something like that but she is yeah she's a nice filly and uh, we're excited we're excited about her 
Yeah, she's got dirt wind. She's got uh, synthetic wind. So uh, it's a good good time to be John Ennis with these horses. But, um, you know, the John Ennis story would only be halfway complete if I didn't mention the other part of the winning formula that, that's been going on this. I mean, I alluded to him earlier, and that, that's Adam Beshitza, who has been your guy this meet, right? And uh, the Biscuit uh, stayed in northern Kentucky this year to, to ride the turf we meet. And it's kind of been beneficial for both of you and him, hasn't it? Uh, it's been a pretty good team you two guys have come up with. Adam is great. I was lucky to get him this year. Uh, lucky that he's staying here. And uh, for whatever reason, he doesn't get half enough rides than he should. He's like, for me, there's probably no one better than Adam throughout a race in, in, in Turfway. Uh, he's a guy who's super professional. Um, he works hard at his weight. Uh, you don't have to give him any instructions. Um, if he gets it wrong, he'll be the first man to come back and tell you he made a mistake and got it wrong. And uh, he's just a dream to have riding for you. As I said, he's very, very strong and very tactically aware throughout a race. So it's yeah, I think that's a huge asset to me. A turf with this turf with this meet is uh, Adam Mosquitza. Well, it has been a winning formula. Um... I hope you can, I wish you continued success. I have a feeling it's going to continue on for you. You got too many good horses. Um, I'm going to kick it to CC to see what he's got for you and stuff, but I really do appreciate you joining us this evening, John. We've wanted to have you on for a long time. Uh, no problem at all. Anytime, as I said, if you need to get me again, sure. Yeah. I can Hit it, CC. Huh? You got it. Okay, John. Well, first of all, this is for Joe Christopher because he recommended we do this back in November, right? That is true. Yes. Yeah, so shout out to Joe. Uh, another shout out we want to give uh, is to Trey Server. Uh, uh, John, do you know Trey Server by any chance? I know him well, yeah. Yeah, good guy. He's the one that gave me your number, and nice. he, he wanted me to pass on a message that uh, he wants uh, he wants to hang out with your entourage. Now that you're <laughs> famous. No, I have no entourage. He knows that. He knows, he, <laughs> Trey knows my hangouts. All right, so let's get into uh, a Philly this is a curious case, a filly that you claimed uh, uh, maybe about a month, month and a half ago, two months ago, uh, named Indian Inc. And she's a daughter of Run Happy out of a really nice mare. And she debuted for a tag, made in 50000 And you claimed her, and she won. And then now she's won again, and she's entered this weekend in the, uh, the Valdale. Uh, take us through that whole story. What... Were you as surprised as I was that this filly was up for a claiming tag? And, 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 and secondly, were you surprised that she ran as well as she did on debut? I was. I was. Uh, I always go through the, the races and the overnights when they come out in Turfway, and especially the maiden claiming races, and see if I can see anything in there worth claiming. And uh, She kind of caught my eye in her pedigree, and um, I wasn't so sure how big she was, but she's actually a good size. And uh, So, yeah, I was, I was shocked that... She was in, in there and uh, with her pedigree, and I was shocked that I was the only one in for her, so that kind of scared me. And then um, I was I was pleasantly pleased when she went out and done what she did first time. So that was great, and wasn't expecting her to come back and repeat the dose in her second start, and she did. So, yeah, it was just a, kind of a, a, a great night and a great story so far. That Philly... Has, uh, the mayor's produced, uh, gosh, I'm looking at it, at least four runners with six digit earners, like eight, mm-hmm. Air Vice Marshal, Bullion, 
contested. It was a really nice horse in Mosler. I, that's that's a great claim. It's a great job by you to get that uh, get that horse uh, back to the winner's circle again. Looking at the race here, the Valdale is six and a half. Uh, what, what do you think about your your first foray with her in the Stakes Company? Uh, it's a tough little race. Uh, well, look, she's only one way of running. She'll go forward. Uh, a win for me would be to get her placed. If she can finish one, two, or three, it'd be huge for her pedigree. With her, with her, with her pedigree as it is now. But if I can get her to to hit the board, it'd be huge. Um, She's training great. Uh, she's eating fantastically. I think she's stepped up from her second win to now. She looks like she has anyway. She's just training great and bouncing. Uh, so she's unexposed. Uh, so she's she's not without her chance. I think she's, if she improves a little bit, which I hope she will, she looks like she has, I think she won't be too far away. Perfect. Uh, let's talk about another horse that you've got entered in a stakes race at Oakland, it's Let's Go Mark. You've also got this horse entered to run an allowance at Turf or at Turfway. Uh, you decided which way you're going to go with uh, Let's Go Mark? Well, he's actually in the allowance at Oakland as well. So he was in the stakes. Oh, misread he, that. He, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're fine. He's won, he's won three races, which doesn't make him eligible for the 1X. But uh, the stake came up a little tough. But he's a solid horse. He's training great. Um He'll probably run in the allowance on the Sunday at Auckland. Um And I think it's only like $10,000 less than the stake. So we go to allowance. He'll be super tough in there. There is some tough horses in there, but he has experience in abundance. I think he's made nearly $200,000. So a horse with just one or two starts, taking on him, you know, it'll have to have a running shoes on. So we'll probably go for the allowance on Sunday and, uh, yeah, we'll 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 definitely give the others a. We'll let they'll, they'll have to have a run and she's on to run with him because he, he's 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 no no superstar, but he can he, he can hold his own. That uh, there's several uh, Turfway trainers that have been shipping uh, down to Oakland this uh, winter so far. That's like an eight or nine hour drive. Is that does that bother you at all, or is that is that not a big deal anymore? I don't think it is. Um, I ran one last weekend, uh, and the horse ran fantastically. Ran an allowance, just got beat a length or so in a one X down there, and came back and as if he wasn't at the race at all. He came back fresh and came off the track this morning bouncing. And uh, so I don't think it does. It, look, I think you have to have a horse that travels well and uh, doesn't get nervous about the trailer and eats well. I think if you've got them components, I think you're fine to do it. But, you know, if you have a finicky eater or Philly that likes their own environment and whatnot, then you might run into a little bit of a stumbling block. But as a rule, I think you're fine. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit now. You consigned a uh, a group of horses to the uh, July Phasic-Tipton sale last summer, and I think you had some success with that. Is is that something that you're going to continue to do going forward? Or now that you've had a really big meet, is that something maybe we'll concentrate on keeping our horses instead of consigning them? How's that looking for you? Uh, I was I can sign my own basically. Is the horses that I usually own myself or pieces of myself. Because that's basically how we got going over here is by buying these uh, cheaper yearlings and getting farm on them, winning a race or two and selling them in July and then reinvest the next September, October and, and do the same, just 
keep doing it and trying to that's how I basically got going and making money is by doing this and buying these cheaper horses winning and selling them in July and yeah to answer your question I probably will keep doing it um, you know to a certain extent never any more than four to five horses in a consignment but I try to bring over all winners and horses that look uh, very saleable and uh, to the to the to the clients. So we've had Paul McEntee on in the past, and he he kind of does the same thing you do. He tries to pick out inexpensive horses and and make them expensive. And uh, I we posed the question to him: what what is uh, harder to pick out a really expensive horse and turn him into a Grade One winner, or to pick out a a lesser expensive like a, a, a Three thousand dollar purchase and turn them into a uh, into a winner <laughs> well, at any level. I, yeah, well, I, I I the first question I don't know the answer because I've never had that budget to pick out a grade one horse, <laughs> so I've never got to the chance of uh, buying an expensive horse. Everything you you go and buying the sales, you're hoping it's going to be that grade one horse. But obviously, with my budget, I wouldn't have that money to spend on on these type of horses. So. And obviously, my budget is getting a little bit bigger every year, uh, but you know I started out very, very low. Uh, so you're just trying to buy a nice individual that you're trying to break its maiden weight, and something that's got a bit of size and scope about it. So to the next user, it looks like it can run, and hopefully it does run for them, and uh, they come back and buy some more off you. Okay, last question for me before we turn it over to Jeff. Uh, I think I read you were an exercise rider for Wise Dan at some point. Was that right? Yeah, it was, yeah. When I came over here first, uh, I was freelancing for uh, Charlie Lepresti, and uh, I was just married to him there for a year or so or more uh, as his three-year-old career. I think he was three- and four-year-old career. He hadn't won a stake yet, but, uh, yeah, you ride him every day. Uh, just different, different level of racehorse uh, to sit on and ride. He was a phenomenal horse. Uh just could, had engine could and speed. He, could he stack up with some of the best milers over in Europe? Uh, he was as good as any of them. He was he was probably quick enough to win. He was probably quick enough to win a sprint a sprint going stake, or he probably had an engine to go further. Than, but he was just he could do anything. The horse could do anything. He was he was as good as there was around. He was just freaky. Fantastic. Yeah, I believe that. One of my favorite horses. Of all yeah, time. he was a, le- a legend. Yep, no doubt. All right, Jeff, take it away. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you, uh, you know, just giving us the insight here, John. Um, Wise Dan was one of my favorite horses ever, too, so I was just excited when I saw that tidbit as well, that you're his regular exercise rider. That just had to be a a thrill to be on him every day and and be around him through that run that he had. He could just kind of do everything. Um, I did want to take it back just a just a little bit to a horse called Wheeland who won the 2018 Kentucky Juvenile Stakes in an really an incredible stretch battle what he was early on in your training career was was he one of the first horses you ever purchased the first <laughs> the first the very first wow yeah he was uh I was still galloping and I was exercising but I was getting a bit older and uh you know saying well, what am I gonna do I can't gallop forever and Am I going to train or I couldn't get clients, couldn't get owners, you know, and so I said, what do I do? Well, I have to try and buy a horse for myself and see that I have runners or something. Somebody might notice me somewhere. So I went to the sale and at the time I was going out with my current wife now, Erin, and 
were li- staying in the apartment here and I said, I'm going to try to go over here and buy a cheap yearling that looks well. And I uh, spotted this guy and I thought I might get him for two or three thousand dollars and end up paying seven for him, which I didn't have. Didn't have seven thousand. <laughs> me and my wife didn't have seven thousand combined. Uh, so we got a lend of everybody and here, there and everywhere and we got the horse and I owned them myself and end up winning end up winning the juvenile the next spring and then we sold them uh come July time. Wow. Wow, that's so that, an incredible that, story for your first horse ever. <laughs> yeah, that got that kinda got that kinda got the ball rolling as regards uh people not acknowledging me, just happy for me and probably, you know, oh John got lucky there as a fluke and whatever and probably was a fluke. Uh, but it got me money in the bank that I'd never seen before. I'd never seen that type of money ever, ever. Like winning that stake, I never, I was always, you know, came over here with zero money. Um, and, um, yeah, to get that money and then I just basically every year then reinvested and trying to snowball it. And I'm still doing it. I'm still reinvesting. In, right, in, in right. Office. And that's yeah. a... That's an incredible leap of faith right there. <laughs> that's betting oh, on yourself 100%. Yep. And then I know you had a, another one, uh, I think, pretty soon after, uh, named County Final, who won uh, the debut and then second in the Bashford Manor. And I, I believe you sold him for almost half a million dollars. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Uh, he was a lovely horse. Uh, uh, an oxbow, just same thing, biting physical. Looked like a race horse. Uh, very talented horse. He just won in Gulfstream uh, to pass Pegasus this weekend. The handicap. He's, I think he's met over eight hundred thousand now. The horse has. Uh, so yeah, got got bought him for nine nine and a half thousand, and sold him for just under three quarters of, or half a million. Wow. Well, we're we're handicappers here, and we're in the ROI business, and that is, that is one heck of an ROI right there. Return <laughs> on investment. <laughs> That's impressive yeah. right there. <laughs> Um, I mean, I know CC already talked about it a little bit, but you definitely really seem to have an eye for identifying uh, talent and especially precociousness in young horses at the sales. Is that something you've always been able to do, or is there something specifically that, that you look at to, to find those type of horses that can really win early? Yeah, uh, that's what I, I really go for. But I think it's, I think nearly a, when you go to the sale, you have to look for precociousness in all horses, whether it's a two-turn horse or uh, an early or a Whatever, they all have to have that same look, I believe. And if they have that look, they're probably going to be fast, like Epic Ride is. He's fast over six furlongs, but now he carries that speed over two turns. And they're the horses you want. And uh, uh, that's what I try to buy at the sale. I try to buy that precocity and horses that look early. Uh, just a matter if they're big or small, preferably big. But they don't have to be. They don't have to be small just to be precocious. You can get a good, big, precocious horse too, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I just try and try and look for that precocity, and uh, I just look. I just trust myself, and I don't ask anybody for help, and I just go around the sails on my own and paddle my own canoe. Absolutely, that makes a ton of sense, and it's it's definitely working for you, one hundred percent. All right, yeah. well, Alan, I will yes. toss it back over to you to wrap things up. I know this has been an awesome conversation, though. I appreciate it, John. Oh, I know. Anytime, lads. Anytime. Couple quick bullet things to wrap this up for you here, John. Uh, number one, uh, Jeff mentioned Wheeland. I've always wondered this. I'm glad he brought the horse up. I'm just curious: is the horse's name Wyland, and it's named after the lead singer of Stone Temple Pilots, or is that just me hoping? Uh, he was named when I bought him, but that is the correct answer. 
There you go. Bing. I'm, I'm always right. When it comes to music, my man, I think I know yeah. what's this. I, I like the horse. I like Stone Temple Pilots. Do you like Stone Temple Pilots? You probably do now. Yeah, uh, well, I, when I when I found out that's what he's named after, I started listening to their music a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I do enjoy it, yeah. Yeah, it still remains. It's just an amazing song or whatever. So, anyway, I'm getting off track. Uh, you got a couple twins. At, you got a couple twins at the house. How old are they? What are their names? I'm a family man. I always love hearing this stuff. Uh, yeah, I have uh, a boy and a girl. They're going to be five in August, uh, Jack and Eleanor. Uh, they're fantastic. They're at a great age. They're enjoying what I'm doing now, and they're kind of not really into the horses, but they, they're just just four-year-old twins that are just wild about everything, and they're great. And uh, My wife, Erin, she basically is the backbone of the whole operation. Uh, I get to do the easy part, come to work, and and enjoy looking at the horses train and whatnot and she has to do all the admin and uh all that so she's got the hard job and i got the easy job good answer brother that's a nice political answer uh, that's gonna let you back in the house which one's older <laughs> the boy or the girl uh eleanor's older by two minutes okay, she's cool older sure. and yeah she's a little bit taller too all right one last thing because you know maybe people want to try to make some money you know it was a couple of years ago you got a nice little two-year-old role at uh at keeneland right kind of I don't say dethroning Wesley Ward, but you you kind of stacked up to him. Are you are you looking for any going to uh, debut any two year olds this year at uh, Keeneland Spring? Yeah, yeah, I usually do. And actually, Adam's coming down in the morning. We're gonna we're gonna breeze a little. I think we got like fourteen or fifteen that are gonna breeze tomorrow. Two year olds, so they're all coming along nicely. And uh, we've got a nice group of precocious two year olds. I think for Keeneland Churchill Springtime. Uh, uh, we'll see how they go, but they're, they all they all look pretty precocious and, and, and acting good at the moment anyway. Well, here's the good thing. See, now you've got numbers. We've exchanged numbers. <clears throat> so one, if one or two of those look a little more precocious than the others, all right, you send me a text, okay, see so if we can do it. Like that, all right. You got it? <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe yeah. I can afford to buy me a Toyota Highlander, even my company discount, right? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all right, good. I appreciate it, John. We'll let you go. I don't want to keep you too long, but – we really we wanted to have you on. We also we want to, you know, in our small way, honor the success that you've had at, at the Turfway meet, and with this really nice horse, you got an epic ride. And it's all small way to say, hey, look, this guy's really doing an amazing job. I hope everybody outside Florence in the state of Kentucky realizes it. So congratulations and continued success, sir. Thank you so much, lads. I appreciate uh, you having me on. Thank you, John. All right, that was John Ennis who's having a sensational meet at Turfway Park. Guy's really worked his way to the to the top of the uh, trainer standings. Yeah, it's, it's, I should have mentioned to him, I know uh, our friend uh, Caitlin Free really likes John Ennis and stuff. I think uh, she's really boosted her win percentage uh, picking uh, picking John Ennis all meet. That's, that was a wise move on her part. So, uh, But she's not the only one. Everybody's caught on to that or whatever. I know I have, I've, uh, I've done okay a couple times with them. And, and that said, it's it's really cool watching his horses. I'm telling you, they they've looked so professional when they've won. It's like at the top of the stretch, it's like this horse is going to win, and it happens almost every time or whatever. So uh, we're hoping the best for Epic Ride. I know he's excited, his family's excited, and that's why trainers do this, right? To have those dreams on February 6th about what could happen down the road. That's that's why you get into the game. So wish him the best. All right, guys. Uh, I have nothing else to disclose. Maybe we'll throw it over to Brandon. Brandon, what's going on downtown Louisville? All the businesses are leaving. You got anything you want to weigh in on there? Is that something to do with your policies or something? You know, 
I will give a shout out to the uh, the Whalen family. They're the ones that got fifth third into their new development. I'm friends with them, so congrats to Lee, Mariah, Kent, and Bill uh, on getting that other fraction bank downtown and uh, into one of their properties. But yeah, it's kind of a mass exodus, and I don't get it because. I think downtown's still lively. Uh, I heard from my restaurant on 7th and West Main that, uh, and that's the Wilkshire, uh, I think it's, yeah, Wilkshire Pantry. And she said that they are opening back up on Saturday and Sunday because there's so many tourists downtown. So, so I would say by far the tourists out, outnumber the locals and, and folks that do business downtown. And it's kind of a, kind of a shame, but I would report that. Our bank, Republic Bank, moved about a couple hundred people back downtown. So uh, they're filling up those spaces and uh, reinventing their area. And I think a lot of folks like it So because there's not a lot of traffic. I knew you had something to do with Fifth Third moving out. I knew I knew you were behind that. You're, you're a mover and shaker, man. Yeah, no, not really. I just but- know a little bit here and there. Whatever, whatever you've got to report, it doesn't uh, it doesn't match who was over in Bloomfield over the weekend, spending the weekend in Bloomfield, Kentucky, town of a thousand people. I heard. Who? I heard. You, you've already heard. Yeah. Jerry Bruckheimer. That's Jerry right. Bruckheimer back in town. He's wow. ninety-nine years old, right? He's not ninety-nine years old. But he's not. Huh? You should ask him on the podcast. I don't think I can get close to him. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Jerry back back in town at uh, at at his uh, Ernie's Tavern here in town. If you're, if you ever want to come through Bloomfield, come to Ernie's Tavern. This place is pretty cool. Got all of his uh, movie, uh, like it's it's just like a, a a Route 66 meets Hollywood feel to it. It's got all of his uh, uh, movie props and and posters and all that kind of stuff there. It's pretty cool. So I'll check it out. Yeah. All right. That's it. Jeff, you're awful quiet. Are you still with us? I'm still with you. We're going to do it. I, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't really have anything extra. I just wanted to say thanks again to John Ennis. I mean, they, it's pretty awesome him to just take some time with us while he's in this, this middle of being white hot at Turfway right now. And he's just the most down to earth regular guy there is. So it's great seeing guys like that having success. We're going to do a beard course next week. All yes. Right. Yes. Reason Star Day coming up. So yep. put that on calendar. All right, looking forward to that. I want to make sure our listeners take a listen to uh, Who's Your Single podcast because if I would have listened or got to turn the volume up without my wife yelling at me, I would have done pretty well at Turfway this past weekend. But yeah, yeah, we I gave out a winner. Gave out a winner. I for, I, did, I wasn't even prepared to give the winner out. I didn't realize he was running until I saw the uh, past performances, and then yeah. We gave it out nine to five, unfortunately, but you know, take what you can get. That's it. That's, That's it. it. On behalf of our special guest, John Ennis, very successful meet at Turfway Park. And of course, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, Jeff Riggs, and a cast of thousands. And of course, our board of directors in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm CC Broadus reminding you in the words of our spiritual leader, Jerry Romans, We're not happy unless you're not happy. Good night.